bet the game. Sounds crazy, Frank. <laughs> Maybe just crazy enough to work. Sports betting with an Oregon lean. Powered by Sports Radio 750, The Game, Portland's most listened to sports station. You probably won't say it again. I bet I do. Okay. Chris. Now, here are your hosts, Judah Newby and Zach Schlegel. Welcome to November, Portland. What's wow. good? It is November, Judah. Unreal, man. Scorpio season. Scorpio season, indeed. That's Big Z. Zach Schlegel. I'm Judah Newby. Bet the game. Episode six, I want to say. It is. Correct. Of our young podcast venture, and it's going well. It's going well. Not only are the listens up, but uh, the wallet's thick. Yeah. Especially for my man Zach over here. Zach, walk us through how you enjoyed some success with some bets in the uh, the last week or so. It was unconventional because usually I expect to make some big plays over the weekend, hit big, and have a great weekend. But what happened was I was back home in the Bay Area and I was getting to the Oakland airport and, you know, had some time before boarding the plane and was looking at the board and seeing if I liked any plays. And now we got the NBA back, so right. throw some of those in there, a little first quarter bets, some halftime bets, whatever you want. It's still early in the season. Um, there's even hockey, and I don't know a whole lot about hockey, but sometimes it just calls for a little puck line action because there's a lot of value <laughs> on it. Got to do and that hockey. Got to throw Chance it in. the rapper says, do that hockey. Do that hockey. Got to throw in a little Vancouver Canucks. And so I did, and long story short, Judah, I threw together a nice seven-team parlay, a mixture of NBA, hockey, and what else was in there? You had the World Series, didn't you? The World Series. That How could I forget? And, and what, what was the last item of your seven-team parlay that you needed? Right. So the last item was the Washington Nationals in Game 6. Pretty big underdogs, right? Strasburg on the mound. And I actually was in the airport thinking it was Monday night, and it turns out after I'd placed the bet, oh, oh no, I got to wait till Tuesday night. <laughs> and luckily for me, everything hit, and I was sitting there on a 150 to one parlay. Wow! With just the Nationals uh, that I needed to cash on Tuesday night, I was watching that game. Let me tell you, I was sweating, and uh, they came through for me, and I couldn't be happier, Judah. But you had to wait the entire day oh, Tuesday. Man. Oh, yeah. I was a nervous wreck. <laughs> Anticipating that. <laughs> were you traveling home by then? Were you home by then? I was. So, yeah, I was traveling most of the early afternoon right before a lot of those games were going to be played. A lot of those NBA and, and hockey games. So then when I landed that night, I knew or actually I think it was later that night when I knew like, OK, all I need is the Nationals on Tuesday. And so I had to sleep on that all night, go through the whole next day. And wait till first pitch. It was brutal. Over the weekend, you were down in the Bay Area. You're a Niner fan. You got to go mm-hmm. hang out with some buddies for a, for a buddy's birthday, see the Niners mm-hmm. crush the Carolina Panthers. It was one of your NFL best bets last week. It was. Laying it with the Niners, and they came through in a major way. That was quite the game to be at. It was probably the best game I could have been at uh, in terms of a home game. It was my first time in Levi's Stadium. 49ers D put on a show. Their offense also put on a show. Tevin Coleman, four touchdowns. Hopefully you had him in your fantasy lineup. But, what uh, a game. What did you think about the white-on-white 
uniforms at home. Oh, I love those. Those were so fresh. You like that? Loved them. Yeah, yeah. I think we can, if we use those the rest of the season at home, I wouldn't be mad. And they were old school too. They were like, kind of like that 94 era. Yeah, 94. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And it was the most points they scored since 93. They went again last night. Your Niners now sitting pretty at 8 and 0. Yep. And uh, a long rest before they face my Seahawks on Monday Night Football, yeah. November 11th. So we got, we got to do a little something for that. Oh, yeah. That'll be a big game. That's the biggest test for the Niners by far. The slate this week in college football, a little lighter from a holistic standpoint. But golly, there is some major factors on the line in the Pac-12, mm-hmm. particularly Oregon, USC, and Utah, Washington. We'll get to those games. We'll get to Florida, Georgia as well. We'll get to our three NFL best bets, too. But let's start down in L.A., where the Ducks go down to SoCal to take on the Trojans. Four-and-a-half-point favorites currently in that game. And Oregon coming off not only the big emotional rivalry win with Washington two weeks ago, then we were worried about them in a vulnerable spot against Wazoo Saturday night last week. Needed a late field goal to avoid losing in that game, to win it outright, but also to avoid a loss winning 37-35. Now here come the Ducks. They have to go to Southern California to face the uh, the Trojans. This line opened at Oregon 7, I'm seeing, yeah. and now immediately took USC money, and now you get Oregon to 4.5 or 4 in some places with a total at 62, Zach. Yeah, it, it just it feels like there's some value on the Trojans for some reason. But when you look deep into it and you look at the statistics and you look at how these teams have done throughout the season, I'm still leaning with Oregon in the game. But this is a spread that I'm not running to the counter to bet. Um, Look at USC. They're coming off of that scare at Colorado last Friday night. Almost pulled off the upset. I almost called that one. You did. Um, That was impressive. (laughs) That was was pretty wild. Um, They pretty much had it right there in the bag. But now USC, they came off that scare. That was Colorado's kind of Super Bowl game. Um, and they have a little bit more rest coming into this game, so that's that's one thing that plays uh, well for USC in the matchup. But when you dive into it, Judah, C.J. Verdell ran wild against Washington State. In fact, Justin Herbert, how many pass attempts did he have? He had like less than double-digit pass attempts, I think, in that Wazoo game, um, which is absolutely wild. C.J. Verdell ran for over 200 yards. Um, USC's rush D, and this is what I'm looking at right now, USC's run D is not that good. They're 10th in the Pac-12. They allow 4.8 yards per rush. It ranks bottom half of all of college football, 115th in stuff rate, meaning um, the percentage of times that they tackle the ball carrier at or behind the line of scrimmage. And we know University of Oregon has, I don't know why I called it University of Oregon. We know the Ducks, I'm getting so formal here. The University University. of Oregon. We know they have an elite offensive line. They like to push people around. It's the lifeblood of this program, Mario Cristobal. Very physical, right? They like to run downhill at you. And I see the Oregon offensive line having success here, and I feel like a broken record, Judah, but I'm going to say it again. I think Oregon needs to get the ground game going early in this one to open up the pass for Justin Herbert because what I want to see is Oregon taking advantage of the run game so that opens more options. But if you can't do that, if you're unable to successfully run the ball, now, Justin Herbert is forced to pass it, what, 30, 40 times. And I don't like the way that sounds with the Oregon Duck wide receivers needing to win one-on-one battles against USC athletes on the defense. Yeah, if you flip that matchup on the other side, it's USC's receivers against Oregon secondary yeah. that's getting a lot mm-hmm. of talk 
this week as well, given how talented USC's skill players are on the offensive side of the ball. What sticks out to you handicapping Oregon's defense against the Trojan Air Raid? Oh, oh man. Um, I just hope that Oregon, I hope that Oregon can do a little bit better than the last two games. Here's the thing looking at Slovis, right? Because Slovis has played very well um, as of late. He's averaging 298 yards per game, completing 68% of his passes, eight touchdowns, one pick since coming back from that injury. But here's the thing, Judah. The last two games they played were against Arizona and Colorado, and those passing defenses ranked second and third to last in the nation. They're only two of five teams in all of college football that allow 300 passing yards uh, a game or more, and Oregon's defense allows 207 a game. So I'm hoping that this is one of those things where Slovis runs into a defense that you know he hasn't quite seen this year so far. And looking at the numbers, it seems that way. And I think Oregon will be able to do enough to limit him. Those those wide receivers, though, I mean, you can't take anything away from them. They're one of the most talented groups in all of college football. So Oregon's going to have their hands full. But I trust uh, Oregon's defense to make some adjustments in that game and kind of apply some pressure on the young quarterback. Yeah, when you talk about USC, they have yet to lose at home this year. But they mm-hmm. haven't exactly played. The, the biggest win they had at home was Utah on a Friday night. And I think that's one of those results will... We might be scratching our heads yeah. about, I may or may not have had money on that game on the Utes <laughs> yeah, as well, yeah. just handicapping talent. Mm-hmm. But uh, we might be scratching our heads about that one, given how it ultimately played out, but USC won that game. Now Oregon trying to go in there, win on the road. Hopefully they can get their ground game going. Your official stance on this game is leaning Ducks to win. Yeah. Four, four and a half, sounds like it's a tough. stay away. It's tough, yeah. I think I'm going to stay away from the game overall. I, if I had to make a play on it, I would still lean Oregon because of what we talked about with uh, USC's rushing defense. I think Oregon's offensive line is going to push them around, and I think Oregon's pass defense will do enough to disrupt Keaton Slovis in this game. My bold prediction for you, Judah, though, oh. is, and this is some good value on this play, and I don't think a lot of people are going to be taking this, but I believe it. I'm going to take USC team total under 27 and a half. I don't think USC gets four touchdowns in this game. I think Oregon, they might give up yards, but I think they bend, don't break. They force a couple field goals. And, you know, Oregon started the season great on D, not allowing a whole lot of points. Uh, last couple of games, they, it seems like they've been a little bit vulnerable. I think they step it up in this one, hold USC under 27 and a half. The under on the Trojan team total from... Zach Schlegel. Beavers at Arizona. The Beavers have not won consecutive football games since the 2016 season. Here they are. They beat Cal two weeks ago. Now they get a bye. Now they go on the road again. Talk about the Beavers on the road. They actually haven't been all that bad. I mean, their last handful of wins that they've had of importance at Cal, at Colorado last year, at UCLA this year, they've done it away from Razor. Now they go into Tucson, hardly a formidable environment, to take on Arizona, a team that's in some turmoil as well, Zach, having just fired Marcel Yates, their defensive coordinator. And now the Oregon State Beavers going in there. This line opened, Arizona laying seven at home. And since then, money on the Beavs, with most places sitting at about five and a half, some at six, with a total of 71 and a half, Beavers and Wildcats. Yeah, um, I, I like what Oregon State's been doing this year, Judah. I mean, they already went over their team total. Uh, for wins on the season, right? Vegas only gave them two and a half. 
Now they're at three. Now they have a chance to get a big win on the road here. They've already they've already won a couple road games, right? Cal, yeah, Cal and UCLA. That's right. Yeah, a couple road games, only one at home. Um, they can get their third road win and get to 500. I don't think anyone really expected that, unless you you know really know this Beavs team. I mean, I'm not I'm not totally surprised based on the talent that they have, um, but I, this is this is a tough one because it looks like there's action coming in on Oregon State. Arizona open as a seven point favorite. Now it's what is it five and a half? You're saying yeah, five and a half. Um, total seventy one and a half. Open seventy three. That's a very very high total, but for good reason. You know Arizona's defense. We mentioned hundred uh, eighteenth in points per game, hundred nineteenth in yards per game allowed. That's atrocious. Uh, last weekend, I saw Stanford, who has just an abysmal offense. Uh, at least they had uh, Costello back. That was bi- that was big for them. Um, and I didn't actually know that until kickoff. Yeah, I, I know. Like, oh, me shoot. too. I was like, oh, KJ's playing? <laughs> oh, no. KJ's um, Might have had a little on Arizona there. But <laughs> anyways, Arizona, 2-5-1 and one against the spread. Oregon State flip-flopped that. 5-2 and two against the spread. They're still one of the best teams against the number this year. So, you know, I think I got a side with the Beavs on this one uh, because Arizona's D is so bad. But I do think that because they fired their defensive coordinator, and their linebackers coach. I think this actually benefits Arizona, weirdly enough. I think the defense plays a little bit inspired, and I think they want to play for this guy, Chuck Cecil, right? former All-American Arizona defensive back. He was promoted to defensive coordinator. I think this is like, I know nothing about this guy, but I just got this gut feeling, Judah, that these players are going to rally around him and they're going to have one of the better defensive performances because, you know, everyone's blaming them. They're saying the defense is is to blame for the entire season and, and not really succeeding so far. And at one point they were in the race for the Pac-12 South and now they're completely out of it. The play I like in this game, just to cut to the chase, Judah, I was looking at the total. 73 is where it opened, 71 and a half. That's very high to me. And I think, again, it's because Arizona's D is so bad. They fire their defensive coordinator, blah, blah, blah. Oregon State can put up points. But I like the first half because I think in the first half, I like first half under, excuse me, because I think in the first half, Arizona will have a, sort of a different, a different game plan, different scheme going, something that Oregon State hasn't seen yet. Um, and, and I think that will play into their favor. And I was looking at it 36, under 36. And then as I was sort of investigating that, I saw it drop to 35 and a half. So I like it even more. So my play is first half, under 35 and a half right there. Play the under. Under first half, 35 and a half for the Beavs and Wildcats. Another big one in Seattle this weekend. Mm -hmm. Utah at Washington. Utah's been nasty the last few weeks. They have. Oh, yeah. No grace. No Mm -hmm. grace from that defense. They are coming in here to really um, beat down opposing offenses. We saw it with Oregon State. We saw it with Cal. They're nasty, and it seems like they're starting to peak at just the right time. Got to be the favorites in the South, even though USC at this point has the edge in that division. But it seems to be only a matter of time if the Utes continue to win mm-hmm. that uh, they'll be South champions. Washington, meanwhile, has had a week to stew on that rivalry loss to the Oregon Ducks. Now they've got another big home game with Utah in Seattle. Um, where, I mean, and the Utes have had this offense that's actually been a lot more impressive than people may have thought coming into the season with Andy Ludwig yeah. and company running it. The line opened with Utah laying three on the road 
It's since got about another half point up in Ute's favor. It's about three and a half even money in a lot of mm-hmm. places, or three minus 15. Mm-hmm. And the total sitting now at about 47 and a half, bet down mm-hmm. from its opening at 49. Yeah, and so the the line is jumping back and forth between three and three and a half. Seems a lot of people are wanting to take that hook with Washington. I, I don't blame them, right? They're at home. Washington played well against the Ducks. And luckily for them, they got Utah and Oregon at home. That's that's really lucky for them. They could have pulled that out against Oregon. But now Washington is in a position where, I mean, really mathematically, they're out of the, the Pac-12 title race. I mean, they're 2-3 and three in conference. Stanford and Oregon State are above them. In fact, I think Oregon State is second in the North right now, technically, statistically, um, with their record. Maybe it might be Stanford, but they're second or third. Um, you mentioned it. Washington has been dangerous, and since 2010, they've beaten Utah six of the last seven meetings. But the last time they were in Seattle was 2017. Utah lost a close one there, 33-30. to I remember that game. Yep, and, and, and they beat Washington the previous meeting in Seattle, 34-23. to That was in 2015. So Utah has had some success in Seattle. I, I To me... This seems like a very sexy underdog. Like everyone, including Colin Coward, right, going on the herd. He's he's talking. He likes Washington. He likes USC. He's going with the real trendy dogs. But I'm going opposite. And, and here's I'm going to make a case for it right now. I know Washington is off a bye, and they're coming off that emotional loss to Oregon. Now I'm trying to think: is how up are these players for this game with their Pac-12 title hopes gone? On top of that, let's look at you, uh, Utah. They're the only team to shut down Gordon in that Washington State passing offense. Gordon only had 252 yards passing in that game. They're number 11 in passing defense in the nation. On top of that, Utah is also the number one rushing defense in the country. They only allow 56.4 yards per game, 2.5 per carry. So Washington, I don't expect them to be able to do a whole lot on the ground. And then if they're trying to throw the ball, we know they have athletes but Utah's been there, done that. They shut down Washington State, the best passing offense in the country, and they really blew out Washington State. It wasn't really close. So there's point number one. On top of that, you mentioned Utah's offense. Tyler Huntley, he's been extremely accurate, very efficient, 73% completion percentage, 10 touchdowns, only one pick. Zach Moss, their running back, he's averaging 6.6 yards per carry, 10 touchdowns. He's been getting involved in the passing game as well. Six receptions, 170 yards the last two games. And they have seven different wide receivers with double-digit receptions this season. So they're spreading the ball out. They're getting everyone involved. I like what they're doing defensively. I like what they're doing offensively. I think a lot of people are counting them out in this game. I think most people are going to be wanting to take Washington and the hook. But I say Utah asserts their dominance in this game on defense. They get revenge from last season where they lost two to Washington regular season and then in the Pac-12 championship game. I think Kyle Whittingham, I think this is his time. He goes into Washington, they get the win, and they cover three. I also would lean under, but my best play is Utah minus three. Utah minus three with a slight lean. Play the under. Play the under. We got a new drop. So the Utes, that's for our friends up in Seattle. Yeah, sorry, guys. Dogs down. (laughs) (laughs) How about an old friend, Chip Kelly, with UCLA taking on Colorado? This game, obviously, the least profile of any of the Pac-12 action. 
The line opened UCLA minus four and a half at home. Money came on on the Bruins getting up to six and a half or seven in some places with the total up from 63 now to 65. UCLA, Colorado, your quick take on this one. Yeah, I'll make it real quick here, Judah. I like UCLA. I'm all over them. The line movement speaks for itself. Minus four and a half to minus six and a half now. Is that what you just said? Right? Yeah. Minus yeah. six and a half. Total's gone up a little bit. UCLA, they start 0-3, but they've won three of their last five. They're quietly averaging 30 points per game. 76 points in their last two wins over Stanford and ASU. Right, They scored 42 against ASU in the first three quarters, so something is clicking on offense. Chip Kelly has this offense rolling. Looking back at their season, UCLA averaged on offense 263 yards per game, but in their last five games, they've brought that up to 488. I mean, something has changed, and a big part of it is that man Joshua Kelly at running back. 176 yards versus Stanford, 164 against Arizona State, 6.5 a carry, five touchdowns in those two games. His success has taken a lot of pressure off DTR. So this UCLA offense is is much improved. In fact, they've been in their last four games, they've averaged 83 plays a game, and their opponents have only been able to run 68. So what that says to me is they're able to control the clock, limit their opponents' possessions. And that's really their winning formula there. So I think Joshua Kelly once again gets it done. Colorado played their Super Bowl last week against USC. They lost. Now they got to go travel on the road to UCLA, and I think they're done for. UCLA minus four and a half. Straight and forward, quick and dirty. Nice and easy. How about a top 25 showdown? Let's start with Memphis SMU and then pull in Florida, Georgia there to finish the college action. Perfect. Memphis SMU. Including this one because of where college game day is at this year or this weekend. Um, they're at this game, right? Yeah, yeah, they're the yep. there. Yeah, it's college game day there. Yeah, it's a huge deal for Memphis, the city. Oh, there it is. And yeah. campus. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, Memphis in the line. So Southern Methodist, that's right. That's what they're for. Yeah, is. yeah. Southern Methodist University against the Memphis Tigers, formerly known as Memphis State. Mm-hmm. Memphis opened up a three-point favorite at home, and since then, all the money's come in on them. It's jumped up to Memphis laying six with the total going from 68.5 to 71.5 or yeah. 72. So it looks like people liking Memphis to own this spot, capitalize on the opportunity of college game day on campus and the eyes of the nation on them. Yeah, as much as I like SMU, they've been a covering machine all year. I, I do agree with this. I think Memphis gets this win. I agree with the line movement, too. I think once you get closer to a full touchdown or over, the value shifts in the favor of SMU. But I think still at six, I like Memphis. Just the quarterback comparison real quick here. Shane Bouchelle. Bouchelle, yeah, right. Brady White. Brady White, 69% completion percentage, 20 touchdowns, only four picks. He's throwing 75% completion at home, 10 touchdowns, only one pick. Uh, Shane Bouchelle. Uh, 63%, 20 touchdowns, 7 picks, right? 64%, 7 touchdowns, 4 picks on the road. Now, both of these guys, they're trending in different directions. So here's the thing. In the first five games for Brady White, he averaged 232 yards a game. That's improved to 333 yards a game in their last three. It includes their one loss to Temple on the road. I think he's trending up. Bouchelle, on the other hand, 69 completion, 69% completion percentage during his first five games. That's dropped all the way to 56% completion in his last three games. So he's trending down. So I look at that, 
and and I see a quarterback trending up, I see a quarterback trending down. The quarterback that's trending up happens to be the home team in this game. Now, Memphis games have gone over six of eight games. SMU games have gone over seven of eight games. So you're expecting okay. a lot of points. Yeah. In this game, but I look at Memphis's schedule. They beat Ole Miss in the opener. They've suffered just one loss on the road at Temple. That's a tough win. Five of their wins were by double digits. And in that one loss to Temple, they beat Temple in total yards. They earned more first downs, but they committed four turnovers, three fumbles. So that was the difference there. Otherwise, they're undefeated. And Memphis has the stronger pass defense, while SMU has the stronger run defense. So I think Memphis's pass defense is what's going to really do it, shut down Shane Bouchelle, and I think Brady White outduels him in this game, and Memphis extends their winning streak to now six in a row against SMU. So I'm going to go ahead and lean Memphis, but actually if I'm getting specific here, I think Memphis' first half is the play minus three and a half. I think just the excitement of college game day being there, they're going to come out fired up. Second half adjustments can always be made, and I think SMU might make them. That's why I'm a little scared getting, you know, with the six, the full touchdown almost there. Um, So I'm going Memphis first half minus three and a half. I think Mike Norvell, he hasn't gotten a conference title yet at Memphis. I think this is the year they do it. Savvy. Memphis on the first half. That brings us to Florida, Georgia. What's the line on this game? Florida, Georgia. (laughs) I had to get that one out. The Florida, Georgia line is about... uh, Looks like Georgia's six and a half. So it yeah. opened Georgia six and a half. Then uh it well it looks like it's pretty much held steady. Six, there. six and a half. Yeah, it's like huh. going back and forth right there. Yeah. Total opened at forty eight and money on the under since. Mm-hmm. Uh, now down to forty five or forty five and a half in some places. This is a big one, man. I mean Kirby Smart, Dan Mullen, a couple of talented coaches. I think Dan Mullen is more gifted uh, in terms of on field strategy, and Kirby is more gifted. Scheming defense is sure, but also mm-hmm. in recruiting. Um, Mullen's an offensive guy, Kirby a defensive guy. Here we go. I mean, this is a big spot for both of these programs. And Georgia, though, getting a lot of respect here, laying a touchdown in the swamp. Yeah, um, both teams coming off a bye. It's in a neutral site, actually. Oh. Yeah, yeah. No, because I, I actually Great had to call. look that up. I was I was thinking it was in the swamp for a while, and... And I was like, I don't know, because my initial lean on this game was Georgia. That was my gut feeling. And then I kind of talked myself out of it. And I think I've talked myself back into it again. Oh, is it Jacksonville? <laughs> Jacksonville. They play this game? Yep. That's right. Jaguars, okay. yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the Jaguars are in London, so, you know, doing their thing. Well, there will be better football there on a Saturday. Right. Than a Sunday. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> there will be. Um, so the big thing for Florida, Jabari, Zuniga, and Jonathan uh, Grenard both return on the Florida defensive line. When both of them are on the field, they only allow 1.63 yards per rush, 47% pressure rate. When both are off the field, 4.79 yards per rush they allow, 33% pressure rate. Wow. That's a huge difference, absolutely huge difference. In fact, when they're on the field, their opponent's quarterback rating is 10, and that's a scale of 0 to 100. So Jake Fromm is going to need to be smart. He's going to need to be quick with his decision-making in this game. The difference here, though, is I think Georgia's offensive line, very good, comparable to Oregon. And I think in the running game, Georgia is going to need to find success. Florida hasn't been that great uh, rushing defense uh, with their rushing defense so far this season. I think Florida probably has the more impressive win against Auburn, 24-13. to But I'll say it again, like a broken record, I think that's where Florida peaked. Hmm. 
The only thing that scares me in taking Georgia in this game is that Kyle Trask, to me, he just seems like this Tim Tebow-esque guy, and if he really is a Tim Tebow kind of player, he's just a winner. Straight winner. He he just might be able to scrap away a win there. Um, But interesting thing here I learned from my man Todd Furman and Payne Insider, the team with the most rushing yards has won the last 13 in a row, and the favorite has covered the last four. So I think Georgia being the favorite, Georgia having the better run offense, I think Georgia wins this game. A lot of respect to Kyle Trask, but I think Georgia comes away and pulls, maybe they pull away late, but I like Georgia minus six. I also don't think there's any reason to play conservatively in this game. Georgia did against Notre Dame, but I think both teams open it up. Georgia Georgia finally pushes the ball down the field because I think they're going to need to in this game. And so I also like over 45. Gotta love that. Georgia, the six and the over 45 from Zach Schlegel. That wraps up our college talk. Now on to our NFL best bets. Zach, you were another perfect 3-0 last week, bringing your two-week total to 6-0. I mean... Seeing things in the league. I've been seeing things, Judah. Again, I can't promise that every week, but I've been seeing things. Well, you heard it right here first. He promises another 3-0 week. Yep. Guaranteed right now. Well, when you got the music like that. (laughs) It's like, screw it, man. I'm going perfect. 100%. Can you believe it's November? It's November. It's getting cold. Yeah, wherever you guys are listening, if you're on Miami Beach, good for you. But we're in the cold tundra of downtown Portland. The frozen tundra. (laughs) I need a ruling, Zach. I need a ruling on one of my NFL bets from last week. I came on the pod with my NFL best bets needing positive results. Yeah. So I went to the well and bet on some teams I really believe in, one of them, and some coaches, really. Uh, One of them was Pete Carroll, one of them was Frank Reich, and uh, the other one was Aaron Rodgers, basically. Yeah. And Pete Carroll and the Seahawks, the line opened, I think, three and a half, four. And I think I used that four number when I said Seahawks to cover in Atlanta. And there was still some uncertainty about Mount Ryan's status. Well, of course, we recorded, I think, on a Wednesday and, you know, had the pot out and what have you. Ryan doesn't play. Here comes Matt Schaub. When that is announced Saturday, the line balloons to eight. Final score, the Seahawks blow out the Falcons in the first half, but they don't cover the eight. Ultimately, 27-20. Where's my ruling? Is well, that is that in the win category for me? Do we throw it out because of the injury concern? concern? How does that stand? Because i got to imagine a lot of people uh, have been in similar situations. Yeah, the thing is, if you got that line at four if it was four or four and a half by the time that you talked about that game and if that's what it was and it was before the final decision then that's a win you know it's a lot of times in the betting world it's just about getting the right number getting ahead of it right if you suspect that something is going to change in a game and you're like oh i need to get this number right now because you think it's going to change get it and if you do great good for you congratulations we're going to count it as a win judah because you did it early in the week Cash it. <laughs> I'll take it, man. I needed it. I needed it. I just wanted to bring it to the board. Yeah, that's fair. On a fair ruling. So I went 2-1 and one without a question. Let's go. I did lose the Colts. I thought they would cover five against Denver. They did not. Could have lost the game outright. Mm-hmm. They did win. 
uh, and the Packers covered in Kansas City in what was a really exciting game. Oh my gosh, yeah. And really remember, exciting. I was I was talking Kansas City, and it was looking good. They were 17-17, and then Aaron Rodgers. Wow, that pass, though. Oh my goodness. Do you goodness. think he did that on purpose? A lot of people said I, they may have thought he was throwing it away. I don't know, man. I think he was giving Jamal Williams a chance and just placed it there like a feather. No, I think he's that good. I really, I think he was just, he was giving him a chance, like you said. You know, he was just throwing it where only his guy could get it, and he did. I went first last time and uh, went two and one, but I'll seed the uh, tee off to you here. You're number one. You're feeling hot. You deserve to go first here. You're six and oh in the last two weeks combined. How do you feel like you're seeing it this week? I'm seeing it pretty well this week, Judah. I got it. I just have to say that, right? I mean, Undefeated last two weeks. Yeah, I feel yeah, like you I'm don't just, go undefeated by not know, seeing it. Well. Not just feeling cold. I mean, it is cold outside, but we're in a warm studio right now, so I'm feeling good. And my for my first pick here, I'm going to the Denver Cleveland game, and I'm looking at the first half, and I'm not going first half under Judah. I'm going first half over. Oh, over 19 and a half. That's a small number, and I know Denver's D is good, and I know Cleveland's offense has been suspect. But here's the thing. There's a change at quarterback for Denver. Flacco's now out four to six weeks. In comes Brandon Allen. Who? Right? Just He was a th- tall guy from Arkansas? Was it Arkansas? He was Arkansas, right? I was going to say Western Kentucky or something, but I think it was Arkansas. Yeah, he was an SEC guy. I'm pretty positive. But you know what? I, yeah. I, I think... I think this helps their offense for some reason, you know? I, I don't know why, but it's been the year of the backup quarterback and the third stringer, for that matter. So I think Brandon Allen comes in here and he creates a little bit of a spark, something that they need. And yeah, they lost Emmanuel Sanders, but now it's time for other guys to step up. And I think they will. And I think Denver does enough here offensively, maybe in the first half, to put up a touchdown, maybe 10 points or so. Uh, even if they just put up a touchdown, I pr- I feel confident that Cleveland is going to come out in this game after getting a lot of backlash in the media. Baker, you know, you saw that uh, interview with Baker where he just looks anything but a leader. I wouldn't trust the guy to lead a third grade field trip. Now, he I think he I think he wakes up and feels a little bit dangerous on Sunday, Judah. And I think this is just one of those games where the Browns. I mean, they're such a roller coaster ride. But I think this is one of those games they wake up, they play well in the first half, they get the offense going, and I think uh, Denver might throw in a touchdown too with Brandon Allen in the first half. And I think this thing goes over 19.5 points in the first half. Von Miller's playing, but he's like not really 100%, so that might, that might come into play as well. But if Baker can get some quick throws off, uh, I think they're going to be able to move the ball, and over 19.5 is the play. Gosh, I like it. Over 19.5, I'm right there with you. Uh, maybe uh, whenever I think Browns Broncos, I think Ernest Bynum. I think of the drive by Elway. Um, you know they've got a lot of history between them in playoff games, and back when the Browns made the playoffs. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it really it'll either be it'll either help Denver's offense with Brandon Allen, or it'll help Cleveland's D, and he'll throw a pick six. Either way, points. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that's a win-win, man. I love I love that stance. Um, I'm going to uh, start and I'm going to go back to the well with Rodgers. I really do think yeah. Green Bay is they're just a, an elite football team. Now, the line standing three and a half on the road at the L.A. Chargers. But I don't think last week's win over the Bears was anything to boast about for the Chargers. I definitely um, don't take any. I, I fade them a lot because of the loss to Tennessee. It shouldn't have been that close. But. Right here in this spot, Derwin James is not back yet still for that Chargers defense. No home field advantage for them. 
part of me is like, hey, do I really want to lay Green Bay back-to-back weeks as a short road favorite? Yeah. And I think I do. Yeah. I think I do. Yeah. Right here. I'm going to go Green Bay three and a half at the L.A. Chargers. Cash F- it. Fading the Rivers, of course. They just fired Ken Wisenhunt, their offensive coordinator, as well this week. He had been pretty tight with Rivers since mm. 2016. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think that uh, is reason to fade the, the Charger offense a little bit more in this game. It's not like they played all that well last week either. Keenan Allen's been banged up a little bit, too, and gutting his way through it. I think Rodgers lights up L.A. here. And... Uh, I think this is the time for the Packers. They cover back-to-back weeks as short road favorites. I love it. I love it. You got to take the teams that are doing well, and the Packers are, are one of those teams. Matt LaFleur, he's doing excellent. He's doing well, and I think, yeah, there's that symbiotic relationship is just increasing by the week between LaFleur, his scheme, yeah. and Rodgers' talent. <laughs> there's a chance it really... I do think they have a couple of steps back because the football season is just long and challenging. Yeah, mm-hmm. But I ultimately think this is a twelve and four football team we're seeing in Green Bay. Maybe eleven yeah. and five, but even twelve and four, I could see him getting a top two seed in the NFC, battling with New Orleans and San Francisco. Yeah, that's going to be a fascinating race. It, it will be. It will be. And they have a defense this year, so that helps. Yeah, they, they're playing really well. All right, you're number two. Number two here. Well, I'm going back to the team that is also putting up W's and nothing but W's. I'm going with the Patriots and. I talked about Washington in college football and USC being trendy underdogs. The Ravens are a very trendy underdog this weekend. And, you know, the Patriots are remaining calm in the media per usual. They're giving praise to Lamar as if they've never seen a quarterback like him. And I know Lamar Jackson is unique, but let's be real. Bill Belichick has seen something like him. Bill Belichick is going to have something up his sleeve, and this is a veteran group. I mean, this is the most veteran defense in the NFL right now, arguably a historical defense. Um, yeah, the teams that they play, the offensive they, offenses they've faced, haven't been too impressive, but they're putting up like 20 fantasy points a weekend. They're forcing turnovers. So I think the Patriots' defense is able to do enough here against Lamar. I, I don't see Lamar going crazy like people expect he will. Again, this is a very sexy underdog pick. And the Pats last weekend, they played the Browns, and really, they they won 27-13. They played below their standard of football last week. And rarely do you see the Patriots play back-to-back average football games. So this is Tom Brady in prime time, and I have to roll with the Patriots. Minus 3.5, you're getting plus 105. You're getting more than even money return. Wow. I like that. Uh, that much money coming in on Baltimore, huh? Yeah, and they don't want to move that line. Like they're just adjusting the price. So, yeah, even if you want to get, you want to play it a little safe and buy the half point, go ahead. But I, I think the Patriots, I think the Patriots win this game pretty convincingly, and they win by a touchdown more. If you feel that way, would you also recommend under the Ravens team total right now at? 20 and a half. Oh, man. Over 110, under 120. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the Ravens getting three touchdowns, that's that's kind of hard to see. Hollywood Brown. Great I, kicker and Tucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Great kicker. So, I mean, that's fine. You can get two touchdowns and two field goals. You still go under. Uh, but I think that it comes to a point where I think the Patriots get a lead and then the Ravens in the second half 
through desperation, they have to start going for it on fourth down. They have to not kick it, go for the touchdown type of thing. I think Patriots get some stops there. And yeah, I would I would agree. I think under 20 and a half team total is good too. Play the under. <laughs> can I can I use that as my second? Uh yeah. Oh yeah. You want to just use that team total as your second? Yeah. Yeah, let's go for it. Let's tag team this game. All right, let's tag team this. Let's go. <laughs> go Pats. I, I will go uh yeah, hashtag go Pats. I got no problem needing the Patriots. I mean, never. Yeah, right. You don't win money going against Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. True words right there. Period. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna fade the Raven offense in this game and go under their team total of 20 and a half as my uh, second best bet. I'm with you. Maybe find the end zone twice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ordinarily in a game like this, I'd be like, hey, maybe Ravens special teams. But New England special teams are always up for the challenge too. In yeah. fact, they've they've they got great coaching and so that matters. So disciplined. In games like this, that definitely matters. Lamar in prime time against Bill Belichick. I think we've seen Belichick against young quarterbacks enough this year. And I'm not talking about just rookies, but young guys in general. Mm What did Josh Allen do? Sucked at home. What did Baker do? Struggled in Foxborough. Here's Mm -hmm. Lamar, another opportunity. Certainly a stylistic and schematic challenge. Yeah. Something Bill Belichick can handle without question, especially with the dudes that he has all over the place on that um, New England defense. So I'm going to fade Baltimore under 20 and a half for their team total Sunday night against New England will be my second best bet of the NFL weekend. All right, your third and final. Third and final. Uh, I'm going to the Eagles-Bears game. You mentioned the Bears. They played the Chargers last weekend, right? And the the Bears now have lost three games in a row. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, he's been getting some backlash in the media. His head coach mentioned his body language being off, and then I think he watched some film on it, and he realized, oh, yeah, you know what? It does It does look kind of bad. I need to improve on that. But that's not a good sign. Trubisky is running out of time in Chicago, Judah. He really is. Uh, all three of those losses in a row were at home, and now they're going on the road to play their first true road game since late September. They played in London, but this is the first true road game. Since the end of September, I think like the 27th, something like that. The Eagles are still very much in the race to win the division. I think they kind of got their mojo back a little bit in that Buffalo win. They were a short dog in that one and won by like 20 or whatever it was, double digits, two touchdowns. Um, So I see the Eagles as a team that's trending up. They're getting healthier. Maybe Deshaun Jackson finally returns. His his abs have been hurting him for like eight weeks. (laughs) I mean, this guy, I don't know what's going on with that guy, but that's their deep threat they've been missing. So I see the Eagles trending up, Bears trending down. Uh, this this five-point spread, I think it is right now, it feels about right, and it's a weird number that I'm not really sure what to do with. I don't know if I'd want to lay that or if I'd want to take the points. It's kind of tricky. I think I would lean laying it. But I think the Eagles may be just as desperate to get a win streak going as Trubisky is to step up and stop a losing streak. I think the Eagles at home here come out against a Bears team that's kind of down and figuring things out, and I think the Eagles play inspired in the first half, and I think they come out with a, a nice little lead at halftime uh, where you know at second in the second half there's always adjustments that can be made, and I think the Bears will make some adjustments. Matt Nagy's a good, a good coach, but I think the Eagles in the first half – they come out swinging, and they grab a nice lead at halftime. I'm going to go Eagles first half minus three. Eagles laying three in the first half. I like it. And my final one. I was surprised you know, to talk about Philly going into Buffalo, winning in the manner that they did. I actually took Philly to win in some in some pick'em leagues 
only based on the fact that it felt like they were a four and four football team and not a three and five football team. And it just felt like regression mm-hmm. to the mean would be there. So it did. They worked out. They won there. But I'm not going to take a whole lot of stock in what that means for Buffalo. And I like Buffalo laying a big number to Washington this week. Yeah. Uh, some questions to the quarterback position for Case Keenum. Right now, the Bills laying nine at home to the Skins. It just feels like, though, Josh Allen has a couple of deep shots in him. The, the Skins secondary is not anything to write home about. I think they get the run game going again. And honestly, I really like Sean McDermott. I think yeah. he's just a really, really good NFL coach that obviously doesn't get a ton of publicity, uh, partially based on location of where he's coaching, but also just, um, you know, he, he's not exactly a vociferous guy that's uh, in the tabloids all the time. I think Buffalo handles business. I think this is a good, solid win for them because they're a good football team, and this is a bounce-back week for them at home against a team that is pretty bad. So I'm going to lay Buffalo with the with a big number. I like it. I definitely can't trust the Redskins, so let's go Buffalo. McDermott. 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 Don't fail me now, Sean. <laughs> All right, so to recap, I am uh, – well, your first best bet, Zach, you went with the first half over 19 – and a half. 19 and a half. First half over Cleveland-Denver game. Yes, sir. With Brandon Allen at quarterback there. I offered Green Bay minus three and a half at the L.A. Chargers, covering back-to-back weeks as a short road favorite. You have New England covering three and a half on the road. Sunday night football at Lamar in Baltimore. I went off. I piggybacked on that and played Baltimore under team total 20 and a half to New England on Sunday night football. Your third and final one, you like Philly minus three in the first half to the Chicago Bears, and I finished that off with Buffalo laying a big number of nine against Washington at home. Love it. I think we're I think we're on it. This I think week. that's a perfect weekend. And you know, can I just say real quick, Jude? I think we need to pull that soundbite from Jimmy G last night in the interview with Aaron Andrews for maybe the next show when he's like when she's like, "How does it feel to be undefeated?" Feels great, baby. I think, we, <laughs> I think we need. I think we need to pull that. Feels great, baby. Just have throw that in every now and then. That sounds like something Jimmy would say, and, that's <laughs> and then Zach it, would like. It was so obvious. Like he he was just clearly flirting, and then he like after as she started laughing and she was all blushing and embarrassed, and then he starts walking away and he tur- he has the nerve to turn around and give like a little finger wave, like bye. Like one of those little, like, he literally did that. I just, I almost cringed. I was like, oh my God, Jimmy, just keep it in. <laughs> That's your quarterback. Oh, man. That's yeah. your quarterback. That's my quarterback. Russell doesn't do that. As long as he wins, he's 16 and 2 as a starter. So, hey. <laughs> Until we meet again, at Zach Schlegel. I'm Chu Danubi. This has been Bet the Game on 750 The Game. And uh, we'll be back again next week. A lot to look forward to. Oregon USC, 5 o'clock on Fox. Can't wait to watch that one in full. Full day of NFL football on Sunday. And then when we record next week, we'll certainly be talking a lot about Niners Seahawks the following Monday night. Oh, yeah. Go Ducks. Go Beavs. And we'll talk next time, Judah. Should be a lot of fun.